0: It is a wonderful thing to live for God, because he knows exactly what it is that we need. And he knows just how to fill it, doesn't he? And he's a friend that sticks closer than any brother. Why don't you walk around, shake hands with one another, say hello to each other on this wonderful Wednesday night. go to your seats, they're going to pass out a handout. And I concur with Jim. Um, I love this time of year. This is one of those times where I don't know, the kid in me comes out. You can ask my wife. I wake up and sometimes my wife is not fully awake, but I'm singing and jumping, but more so now because there's lights up and I know that God is there and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. But you know, during this time, there's not a lot of people that feel the same as some of you do. Um, Holidays sometimes are very hard, hard times for people. Because of things that have taken place in their life and um, situations. And those are the people that we need to pray for because if they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they can overcome those things. And there's a verse of scripture I want to share with you tonight. It's not a part of what I gave you, but it comes from John the 16th chapter in the 33rd verse. And Jesus said this, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. And he says this, in the world you shall have tribulation. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think of? You will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Bible says that he was a man of sorrow and he was acquainted With grief. And so, why should we think that we should be any different? You are going to have trouble in life, but here's the key it's how you deal with it that will bring people to you like moths to a flame. And that's what we have to understand. So, tonight, I want to talk to you simply about Christian maturity. You know, it's, it's wonderful to go deep into the scriptures, take a deep dive, but sometimes we take all this depth of scripture and we forget the very simple things. When I played football, we always started out every year with the fundamentals, blocking, tackling, and we had to get those things right. Even though we'd been doing them for four or five years, we had to go back to the fundamentals before we learned anything new. And so as Christians, it's good for us to go back to fundamentals and to understand where we are on the self-introspection thermometer. Because you might think you're okay, but sometimes you're just not okay. So I want to start with 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13, and I want to use David and Saul for this tonight because you'll learn something from this. So just bear with me. 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are, there, are here all your children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. And behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, Now he was a ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So, follow me, and I'll tell you when you got to fill in. So you're going to fill in right now. All right? David was anointed to be king over Israel. Now, how many of you have done the studies and understand that we shall be kings and priests with the Lord? Okay? You understand that. That's what we're in the training for. But little did David know that there would be a period of breaking and working upon David by the hand of God to fit him as king over Israel first. We don't like that. We just want to ease into this position, and we just want all the glory and the power right away. It doesn't work that way, folks. A decade of breaking, a decade of breaking would begin in this boy's life that day. Remember what God said when Ananias came to Saul, who was Paul? He said, he's a chosen vessel unto me. I will show him the things that he must suffer. You've got to understand, you've come into this Christian life, you are going to have trouble, and it's for a purpose in your life. it's necessary for you to go through these things. So it's not all hunky-dory when we come to God. You know, we like the rose, but we forget about the thorns that are on the stem. And we're going to get pricked from time and time again. David's brother went to war against the Philistines, and David became an errand boy to them. So I remember when I started my Tulandai apprenticeship, The very first thing that they did was I was the errand boy. I swept the floor. I was a gopher. I went for this. I went for that. I remember one time I was in the tool crib. I had to learn everything, and a guy came up to the tool crib, and he said, hey, um, I want a bag of welding sparks. So I searched all over. I was a 19-year-old kid, and I was looking for welding sparks. And the guy that was my trainer, he came in and he said, kid, what are you doing? And I said, I'm looking for the welding sparks. I don't know where they are. And he said, hey, dummy, think about what you just said. Welding sparks. And I said, oh, okay. He says, they're pulling your leg. So we've got to understand that before we can run, we've got to crawl, and then we've got to walk, and then we can start to learn to run. See, because after David was this Aaron boy. It was then that David met Goliath and killed the giant, awarding him to serve in the palace of King Saul. And it was preparing him for what was to come. That's what's happening in your life. God is preparing you for things that are up ahead, things that will come this week, things that might come four weeks from now, but he's preparing you for these things. 1 Samuel 18 and 2, and Saul took him that day, And would let him go no more home to his father's house. But the one thing about this king that wanted him to come. He was nuts. Saul was an insane king. You know that from reading uh, his life. He He was a madman. What got him that way was the power that he was afforded. You know everybody likes position. Everybody likes power. But. Do you know how to handle it once you get it? Sometimes people just don't know what to do. And God was going to use those circumstances that David was in the court with the king to teach David the things that would make him a great king. Make him a great king. David had learned to play the harp and write songs to the glory of God while in the fields, shepherding sheep. So it's in your alone times that you learn some things, you learn some values of life that you'll bring on. I I know that a lot of times when we look for people in positions, we really should look for what they do in their secular life because it really does fit with what they do in the kingdom of God because God gives that kind of talent to an individual. So you always try to help people not to try to fit themselves into positions that they're not ready for or they're not even equipped for. Putting people in with children they don't really like children, that's nonsensical. So when David was in that court, the songs he sung were like medicine to King Saul. Saul was often troubled and had David sing and play the harp to him. But David began to garner popularity with the people and Saul became extremely jealous. First Samuel 18, 5 through 9, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the sayings displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. I want you to understand Model your life, or just think of yourself right now in the position of David. Because you are going to have Saul's in your life. God is going to make sure you have Saul's. You know, a lot of times we say, why is the devil doing this to me? Or should I turn it, why is God? God is allowing things to happen in your life. He's allowing them to happen because he is maturing you as an individual. And it's necessary for you to have the troubles and the pains in life. Some things we bring upon ourselves. Other things, God says, okay, if that's what you want, have at it. So when, when I read this to you, you've got to understand, Saul felt threatened that this young man would take his job and someday become king. Saul began to wonder what could happen if... He rises above me. Would David take the throne and thrust Saul out on his face? Would David rise to power fairly? Saul did not know it and began to drive himself mad. It's called jealousy, my dear friends. That's the green-eyed monster of jealousy that at times hits each and every one of us. Somehow David grabbed hold of a wonderful truth, this is in your paper, that sets people free from the madness that others in the same situation contract. Sets people free. David found out that God wants people who live in pain. Did you, ever, did you ever really peruse the fact of people that are high up in ministry or ministering, and did you ever really take the time to find out about their lives? You'll find that their lives are littered with very uncomfortable situations, painful situations, things that probably happened in their early life, things that happened in the middle of their life, but they're not there, they're smiling, and they're giving to you the gospel. Your pain, your pain in life, is what helps you minister to others that are in the darkness of their sins. We, don't, we should not ruminate on the past, but we should still understand we can remember our past, and we can remember the situations that we got ourselves into the pain and the struggles that we had and understand that we can help people. That's why there's things like Alcohol Anonymous and there is Drug Anonymous and all these kind of things. They get together and they talk about their struggles. Why? Because they need to unburden themselves. My wife and I were just talking about somebody that was a part of Al-Anon and long since has, has... it's been over, but now has rejoined. Why? They need to talk. They need to talk. And David found this out, that God uses people that live in pain. God takes vessels and allows them to break. Well, that's a wonderful thing. You just Keep preaching that one, pastor. Or keep preaching that one, bishop. Tell us that we got to go through pain. You've got to go through it. And if a person or remains true to God through it all, God has a person to work with in this world like none other. He knows that he's got someone that will be faithful. So few will ever come to know this kind of truth. Usually they book. They, they, they don't want to be a part of that. They want a life that is filled with nothing but ease and ease brings sleaze I got that from listening to you Sunday because look at look at the things that have taken place over the years the conveniences that we've got computers were wonderful weren't they until we start to realize that we have become socially inept Huh? We used to love the fact that there were cell phones until we can't go anywhere without our phone ringing. Then we want to go back to the dial phone so that we don't have to take it wherever we go. See, these conveniences are making us lazier and lazier and lazier. I was just, there's a book that I'm reading right now. It's on audio, but it's called Deep Aeon. And they're talking about this AI, talking about chip implantation in the minds or in the brains of people. And what this, what this author is getting to is, if this keeps going, the machine will finally begin to think on its own and will have no need for a human being. Kind of scary stuff. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, Zager and Evans had a song in the year 2525. Do you remember that song? Those of you that are older like me. Huh? Far-fetched song! Doesn't seem so far-fetched now. Not anymore. Not with the way this world is going. But God is trying to work with us to help people that still do not understand who He is. And so few will understand how God works unless somebody comes and lets them know how God works in their life. Every one of us can be a rare vessel whom God can use very, very powerfully. God wants to use you. He he wants to take your life and parade it so that they can see not your glory, but his glory radiating through you. On your papers, Saul was the type of king who looked at the kingdom, kingdom as his own. He did not understand that it was God's will to determine the direction of the kingdom. Just like your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. God wants to determine the direction of your life. That's why the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I always tell people that When God first came into my life, if you would have told me that I was going to be a public speaker, that I was going to be a pastor, I would have laughed you right in the face. Not this guy. When it came to speeches in high school, I would take an F rather than get up because I didn't like to speak in front of people. But now you can't shut me up. You just can't. Because I've got a story to tell. I've got something that I have found out. God has worked on me very patiently. And after all, you've got to understand, it is God's kingdom, not yours. And you are pilgrims, sojourners in this world. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Amen? In, in Saul's madness... He was feeling threatened, and because of that threat, when he saw this young guy, this David, he began to attack him. First Samuel 18, 10, and 12 says this, and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. It's a very sad thing for people to be in a place where God can use them but they take it upon themselves to have a personal vendetta. Take things into their own hands rather than stand on the scripture, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. You know, if Saul would have understood that, he could have been king for much longer. He really could have. God could have used Saul, the first king, very mightily. But the ingredient that makes people great people of God was missing in his life. We've got to understand that. We look at these biblical characters, nice story, but we've got to understand they're there for a reason. How many of us are like Saul at times? How many of us have an anger issue that sometimes is totally out of control? We need to ensure that we have the right ingredients. On your paper, since Saul was king, he had the power to push David around. Now, was Was Saul an anointed man? Yes, he was. He was an anointed man. But David had to understand he was going through the school of brokenness. You'll see why I say that. Only those who graduate from this school can be used of God in a very extremely wonderful way. David was one of the few people who willingly enrolled in this school. God was the only one who allowed David to be put under the atmosphere of Saul, a jealous and mad king. God always has a plan for people's lives. You're going to have Saul's in your lives, my dear friends. You're going to have people that know how to push your button. Do you have people like that in your life? God was using Saul to work on David. Saul was actually the chosen instrument of God to accomplish a work in young David. Did you ever look at it that way? You've got to understand there are people in your life that God is allowing to be there he wants to extrapolate some things from your life you pray about him. God help me to be strong okay I'll send somebody into your life to make you strong God give me patience okay I'll send somebody in your life that will really work on you to make sure that you're a patient individual huh I see by some of you that God has sent somebody because you've pulled your hair out already I'm talking to myself too God is the one that knows, again, the beginning from the end. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He knows just what to do to make you into the person that He wants you to be if you're going to be a willing student. On your papers, Saul was God's authority. Sometimes it's hard to think of things that way. David learned that Saul was a tool in the hands of God to shape him through breaking David to become a better man, a king that Israel actually needed. And David had to bite his lip and take a deep breath and continue going through this education. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I was told by somebody higher up to do something that I did not want to do. I remember one time I was told that I needed to apologize to somebody, and I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't my fault. It was, as a matter of fact, it was the other person's fault. But my pastor said, You need to go and you need to apologize and ask for forgiveness. And you know, the little Davy inside said, No, I don't want to. No, they need to come to me. But I relented and I went. And you want to know something? God broke that inside of me. He broke it. Because if you're going to offer a gift to God, If you're going to come before the altar and you want to offer God praise, and he's not going to accept it from you if there's aught in your life with somebody. And maybe it's not your fault. But God knows that that's got to be reconciled. You leave that gift there and you go make amends. I think Brother E says, get used to eating crow. It's a very lean diet. You've got to learn to eat crow. You've got to. Because God wants to make you into somebody that he can truly use. And through this education that David was going through, he learned more and more about God's ways. He understood that he must receive hardships in life. You've got to understand that, my dear friends. You're going to go through them. People are not going to like you at times. They're going to think that you are a prude. They're going to think you're self-righteous. They're going to say all sorts of things about you. And you've just got to smile. And you got to love them. Even though inside you'd like to kick them. James 1 and 12 says this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life Which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. It's the same thing as saying, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptations is parismos in the Greek, and it means an experiment, a trial, temptation. It's an experiment that God is taking you through so that you can learn and you can build from it, and so that you can receive the love of God, so that God can trust you with more and more and more. Because you'll get wider and wider and wider to receive the blessings of God. When Saul began, this is on your, on your paper, when Saul began to throw spears at Davis, David, notice how David reacted Now, are you supposed to pick up the spear and chuck it back? Huh? Seems that's the rule for most people. You hit me, I'll hit you, or wait, at least I'll turn the other cheek. But it doesn't tell me what to do after that. I heard one preacher say that. That's the stupidest thing to say. It It doesn't take a lot to give what you've gotten, Okay. You can say, I'm standing up for my right. You won't be pushed around. You know, if somebody explodes on you, man, wait till. I remember one time Melissa said to me, remember this Melissa? There, she's looking up. She goes, she says to me, Dad, why do you always yell at me? And I said, I'm not yelling at you. I said, do you want to see what yelling is? And I began to rail on her. She filled with tears and she ran upstairs. I didn't want that to happen, but I wanted her to understand what yelling was. But we don't want people to treat us unfairly, do we? And if you are able to stand up for yourself like that, then you are truly fit to be a king, to be a leader. But unfortunately, you will only be another King Saul. Someone chucks a spear at you, and you chuck it back, you're only just like that person that just threw it at you. I remember we used to say when we were kids, when we'd insult each other, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever bounces off me sticks to you. Bounce, bounce, stick. if you continue on that path, you'll become just like Saul. You'll become insane. You'll you'll go mad because you won't be able to control that kind of attitude. The Bible says, make no friends with an angry man lest you learn his ways. You don't want to learn that. You want to learn from Jesus. On your paper, those who are good at arguing have argued a lot. Those who have a witty way of making a fool out of someone who tries to tear them down are those who practiced at insulting and hurting and rewarding evil with evil. That's not something to be proud of. But Jesus would have nothing to do with any sort of reaction like that. He doesn't want us to be like that. We are to be people of love, people of understanding, people of being empathetic with other people. On your paper, David became a man who refused to learn how to throw spears well. We should much rather be good at turning the other cheek rather than being able to cut people down to their size. David just learned how to dodge spears well. If we can learn to not let what others do hurt us, then we are the type of vessels whom God will use very, very powerfully. And I realize, everybody, you know, you you can teach these lessons, but it's until you go through them and you remind yourself of the fact, I need to be a different person. I need to be more like Christ and less like myself. God, when he called you, he took you for who you are. But he said, we're going to go on a journey and I'm going to make you more like me. Let this mind be in you. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2 and 5. On your paper, in order to do that, David would act as though nothing happened after the spear was thrown at him. Pretty good advice, eh? Somebody says something rude to you, you're just supposed to act like it never really happened. I always say consider the source. Consider where it came from. David David was able to duck when they came and get up and walk away. When anger would urge you to grab it and throw it back, David learned to let it go. I think... Brother Woodward said that that's that famous gospel song. Let it go, let it go. You've got to learn to let these kind of things go so that you can increase in the blessings of God. People have spears thrown at them every day. It's happening every day. Look at the world that we live in. You can go to Genesis 6. The earth was filled with violence. It's filled with violence today. This should be a world that understands we were made, created by God, and we are all brothers and sisters. But somehow, somewhere, and I know where that comes from, it comes from a spirit that is called Satan. And he's trying to get into everybody's mind so that he can corrupt us and we turn against the one that we're supposed to love. People have these spears every day, but you can tell the ones who were hit because they hurt and hurt and hurt over and over and over again. They turn a deep shade of bitter. It says this in Hebrews 15 and 12, "'Look after each other so that none of you fails "'to receive the grace of God.'" Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. See, that's the thing about bitterness. It starts out with resentment, then it leads to anger, then it finally goes to bitterness. And it doesn't stop there because it ruins people around you. On your sheet, David did not want to learn how to react back and throw spears back. He stayed away from those who threw spears. So we need to stay away from people who may even call themselves Christians but who are always reacting back at people who hurt them. Now, I don't know if you know anybody like that in your life right now. People that are bitter, people that are angry Christians. It's wonderful to pray for them, but don't keep company with them. Because all you'll hear is them foment over and over and over about what's wrong with the church, what's wrong with the preachers, what's wrong with the people. Don't be around people whom you know God does not approve of. Don't make friends with those kind of people. Again, you can pray for them. David also learned to keep his mouth quiet about it. It's so easy to take that episode of being attacked and tell everyone you can see about how you were treated unfairly. Here's a good way to do it. I got a prayer request. Would you pray and then you start to go over what just took place? That's not a prayer request. That's gossip. That's only you throwing spears. You're throwing spears when you keep rehashing these things. You are going to hurt them in the eyes of everybody you know by telling everybody what that attacker did to you. On your paper... And even when the spear hits you right in the heart, it'll never touch you. Not if you learn to be like Christ. It'll never touch you. Again, on your paper, it is not your business if another person who even throws spears is one of God's anointed. That's tough, eh? You check out what David did when Saul was coming against him. Really, he doesn't bring a railing accusation against him. Even in his death, he says, how art the mighty fallen? He knew what it was to honor He knew what it was to hold high. We've got to understand that. God will not tell you because it is his will that you be under the treatment that people give you. If you run and hide somewhere else away from this, God will raise up another mad King Saul over there because you need to have the broken work done upon your life If you want to be used. And I know everybody here, those of you that are here tonight, you want to be used in the kingdom. Because you're here at church. And I'm talking to people that are out there. If you don't want to be used by God and do his will, God will let you drop out of the school of kings. He'll let you drop out. But you'll drop out. He's not kicking you out but then you've got to understand you'll become useless. Paul said it this way, you'll become a castaway. A person that you are looking for or looking at is not the real problem, the person that's giving you the trouble. If you keep looking at them, you'll miss what God is looking at. God is looking at another problem. He's looking at what's inside you. That's what he's looking for. It's inside all of us. And that is why all of us must go through the school or else forget about doing anything for God in this world. We've got to go through it. On your paper... The reason God puts us all under a Saul in our lifetimes is because there is a Saul in us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're just talking about basics here tonight. We're talking about Christian maturity because we need to learn these things so that we can help others that are crippled in this world, that have so many emotions that are boiled up inside that they need a release, but they need to see people that can do it. They need to see people that have gone through that school God removes the Saul in us by applying us to the Sauls of this world. And Saul wanted David dead. He wanted him dead. But it turned out that Saul was only a tool to make David a better individual, a better person, a better king. David was almost, almost destroyed through it all. But that was the only way God could crush the Saul out of David. And that's the only way God can crush those things out of us. We've got to be careful. Romans. Let's go there just for a moment. Romans, the 12th chapter. I read this to someone today um, because we've got to be very, very careful at times when we think. Romans 12, and I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 3. And I want you to listen to this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may prove, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And here's why. Here's why. For I say through the grace given unto me for to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each each one a measure of faith. We're all a part of the member, the body of Christ, and we all have to understand we need that humility in our life. We quote 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall, that's the first thing, even before prayer, shall humble themselves, then seek his face, then pray, then turn from their wicked ways, then he'll hear. It's the if-then clause. We need to understand that. So David was almost destroyed through it all. But that was the only way God could crush that, that Saul, that, that pride, that, that those feelings that were inside of him. Squeeze them out. You know, cancer. Cancer is treated by taking the body as close to death without killing it in order to kill the cancer. You see people on chemotherapy. And you see how they look. But that's what it entails, really taking you so close to death because you've got to kill those erratic cells inside of you. Saul will survive in us unless God breaks us in the same manner. He needs to break us. And David accepted it. David accepted it. He did not retaliate against Saul, he didn't, he ran. Because he knew the real Saul to be handled was in him and just by David's refusal to fight back the real enemy, the Saul inside him was being defeated in him. He did not brag about it to others neither. Nobody knew what was happening in his life. And when the hardship was over he would not have been able to recognize you would not you would not recognize David. David was a different man. He was a king whom God could use to lead his people. His personality was totally altered. On your paper, when David did leave, it was because Saul forced him to leave. And when he did leave, he didn't rally everybody around him and stir up anger inside of everybody and tell everybody what Saul was doing. The only one that knew about it was God. Saul was the one that was demanding David's death, and David was the one that was running. First Samuel 19, 19 9 through 12 says this, And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite him, David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you save not your life tonight, tomorrow you shall be slain. So Michael let David down through the window and he went and fled and escaped. On your paper, if we cannot leave the situation without telling others and rallying hatred against the Saul, then we will never be God's anointed. David was chased by by Saul like an animal. And he just, he left. He kept running and running and running. On your paper, his suffering was giving birth to a king like Israel never had before or since. Again, on your paper, David did not rally them together and shout aloud, that he too was Saul's enemy. He kept things in. He kept things close. That's what it means to open your heart to God. Let God know what's inside. Let God take care of those things that are happening in your life. And then if you need a trusted confidant, make sure that that confidant loves God and has tight lips. Because you don't want to besmirch somebody's character. You don't want to do that. On your paper, it said that David stayed his servant. That means that they were wild. These men were wild to kill Saul. But what did David say? No. No. I'm not going to touch his anointed nor do his prophets any harm. On your paper, why did Saul first attack David? It was because Saul felt threatened. You know, a lot of times when you're used of God, you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be misunderstood when you're used in the giftings of God. I went through a situation where, and and I'll say it, we had a number of ministers at Elam. And I don't know why my pastor took a liking to me, but I was the first one that ever preached a Sunday evening. And he began to use me more and more. And then, within my circle of friends, there started to get this little envious aspect of what was going on. Until finally, I one that was a very good friend of mine, I took him uh, in a private place and I said, what is going on? And he was, sure enough, he told me, you know, you're used to speak on Sunday night. We're only used to speak on Sunday mornings and things of that nature. And, and I said, well, that's, that's not up to me. And so I went into my pastor and I said, listen, I don't want to be used anymore on Sunday night. I don't want to speak anymore. That really wasn't the thing to do. But you know, you don't want to put a stumbling block in front of your brother. But a lot of times you'll be misunderstood when God is using you in the very giftings that God has placed in your life. Don't throw spears back at people. Just understand that God's put you in the place that he wants you to be. And what you need to do is you need to hold on because that's what David did. He held on. And on your paper... He led Israel to victories. He even prophesied. He was used powerfully by God. He united Israel under a kingdom. The first of all Israel's kings. Like a person today used by the power of the Spirit. God will take you and he will help you to unite people to his cause, to his kingdom, to his church. And you're going to have people that are going to be tra- detractors. They're always going to be. Critics are always going to be out there. Get used to it. Understand it. On your paper, Saul should have been glad for David that God was with him but Saul only was fearful and jealous on your paper again this proves that not everyone used in the power of God has the heart right with God there are people out there that yes they're in positions but at times They get crossway, just like Saul. I wish it wasn't like that, my dear friends, but it is. Again, on your paper, true men and women of God do not force themselves on others and demand that others know what they are actually doing. Your ministry will speak for itself. And finally, on your paper, The heart of a person is so important. So my question is, how is your heart? You know that heart trouble is the number one cause of death in the world today. It's the same in the spiritual world. Peoples whose hearts are not sincere will never last and their spirituality will die. What we need to understand is that we need to become more like him. I must decrease. He must increase. And more so now than ever before. This world is on a collision course with God. And there are people out there, believe it or not, that are frightened. They don't understand what's happening. It's happening so fast. And they need answers. You, you are God's answer to this world. And they need to see Jesus through you. Bow your heads. Father, we come before you tonight and we want, God, our lives to reflect you. We want to be mature. We want to understand that your spirit living within us will help us deal with all things. All we need to do is listen. Listen to you. Take the parameters that are in your word and then govern our lives by them. God, even at times when we don't want to do what we read, it is more essential than ever before that we do it. We just do it so that, God, we can grow and we, be, we can become strong, powerful Christians so that people will be helped and they will be healed. God, I pray that you would just give us that. So bless each one that's here tonight. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.